Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the November 2015 CTSS quiz. I gave you 10 incredibly interesting cases, and I hope you enjoy them. And now let's take a look if you got the right or the wrong answers. In this first case, I asked what the least likely diagnosis is in this 40-year-old female. The key finding is you see an approximately two-centimeter vascular lesion which either arises in the duodenum or next to the duodenum or from the head of the pancreas or near the head of the pancreas. And I will admit in select cases like this, it is indeed challenging. So this could be a carcinoid tumor of the duodenum, they're typically vascular, not uncommon in this location. It could be a GIST tumor, gastrointestinal stromal tumor. Common location is duodenum and these lesions when small are very vascular. And perhaps this is a neuroendocrine tumor coming off the pancreas or even a, with a gastrinoma, a nodal mass in the space between pancreas and duodenum. The one thing you would also consider for vascular lesion might be metastatic renal cell carcinoma, but of course, then you would have had to have a nephrectomy. Remember, renal cell metastasis to bowel or almost anywhere or to pancreas typically occurs eight to 15 years after the patients had a nephrectomy. These patients' kidneys look live and well, and that's the least likely diagnosis. By the way, this ended up being a GIST tumor, just a wonderful and most interesting case. Patients with small GIST tumors, high vascularity, often present with GI bleeding. This is probably the largest and best example I've seen of this entity. When you look, you see a mass in the right upper quadrant between kidney and liver. The mass is mainly fat density and it has a swirl of higher density. So the first thing this is not, it's not a renal mass, okay? So it's not a renal myelipoma, kidney's fine. And it's not a retroperitoneal bleed. Could it be a sarcoma? You see how well-defined it is and it's really in the adrenal space. In the back of your mind, I guess you could consider that possibility, but this is a beautiful example of an adrenal myelipoma. This probably had a bleed in the past, which explains the higher density. Typically, myelipomas over five centimeters are resected. Because of the large size and the high density, this was eventually resected. This is a very important case. On this non-contrast CT scan, the left renal mass measures 85 Hounsfield units. What's the best diagnosis? You look at the lesions, forget my four choices. It's a well-defined, high-density mass homogeneous. The density was about 85. When you see a high-density lesion over 70 Hounsfield units, there's a 99% chance it's benign. And this is a high-density renal cyst. It is not a renal cell carcinoma, and it's not a Bosniak 2 or 2F. And the question is, can you determine that it's a high-density renal cyst? The answer is yes. If you gave IV contrast, arterial venous delayed, the attenuation value would not change. Very important, incidental finding over 70 Hounsfield units. Several articles show 99.9% .9 chance it's a benign high-density renal cyst. This patient had chest pain, retrosternal discomfort. What's the best finding? or what's the best diagnosis. There's a mass, you can put this in the subcarinal zone or toward posterior metastinum, well-defined, kind of cystic looking. Um, metastinal abscesses are indeed pretty rare, most common anterior metastinum, and there is no stranding nearby. Could it be adenopathy? Well, the only thing is subcarinal. Could it be lung cancer? Well, it looks more like it's in the mediastinum. 
And in fact, this was mediastinum, but it was a bronchogenic cyst. Bronchogenic cysts can be cystic or of higher attenuation. The most common lesion is this space, which is the subcarinal zone. Unfortunately, I didn't show you the airways here. The second most common zone is in the right paratracheal space. In this patient, I asked you, what's the best diagnosis for the bilateral renal masses? When you look carefully, there are multiple lesions in both kidneys. Some, particularly in the right kidney, are obviously fat. Others seem to be a bit more solid. Well, these are surely not Bosniak II cysts. And when you look at them, the fatty attenuation is most classic. That's classic for bilateral renal angiomyelipomas. Now, you can look in the left kidney and say, well, some of the lesions are not exactly fat. And in patients with bilateral renal angiomyelipomas, which is most common in patients with tuberous sclerosis, is not uncommon for some of the lesions to be of higher attenuation. And I will admit at times it's very difficult to distinguish this from an occult primary tumor. Can the patient have AML and occult neoplasms in the left kidney? That's a thought. But these were bilateral renal angiomyelipomas. This case shows you very nicely bilateral renal masses, and particularly the right renal masses are fat density. So you have to be thinking bilateral renal angiomyelipomas. Then you look at the sacrum and you see several sclerotic lesions present. They look like osteomas. Well, if you think about it, what syndrome gives you osteomas in bone and bilateral renal myelipomas? That's classic for tuberous sclerosis. Von Hippel-Lindau gives you increased incidence of cysts and renal cell carcinomas. Neurofibromatosis gives you renal artery stenosis. MEN syndrome does not give you any specific renal masses. So a wonderful example of uh, tuberous sclerosis. In this case, I asked you for the best diagnosis. When you look at the mid-descending thoracic aorta, you see what actually looks like a penetrating ulcer. Very, very classic appearance. On the axials, one view alone, you could think about it, the section. But when you get the sagittal views, you really see that it's a large ulceration with a small intramural hematoma. It's not Takayashu's, which would be increased density around the aorta and maybe narrowing of the lumen. It's not a pseudoaneurysm, and it's not an aortic dissection. It's a penetrating aortic ulcer. Very nice example. This patient had a drop in hematocrit, and we were looking for the source of the patient's bleed. When you look at the images carefully, in the right upper quadrant, I didn't put an arrow on it for you, at the level of the transverse colon, just at the junction of transverse colon and the patient's hepatic flexure, on both arterial and venous phase imaging, there's a bright blush present in the colon. This represents an active bleed near the hepatic flexure. It is most consistent with a colon cancer. It doesn't look like diverticulitis. It doesn't look like an ulcer. This is a bleed within a carcinoma in the hepatic flexure. Very nice case. On this study, I asked you what the best finding is. Now, this is a CT urogram, and I'm showing you 3D mapping of the ureters. When you look carefully at the right ureter, it looks perfectly normal. When you look at the left ureter in the proximal third to a half, there's irregularity and beating. There's something infiltrating the left ureter. Inflammation can occur homogeneous with thickening and even narrowing. Retroperineal fibrosis usually involves both ureters, but even if it only involved one side, it would track the ureter medially. 
and this is obviously not normal. The more you look at that left ureter, you recognize you're dealing with an infiltrating process, which was a transitional cell carcinoma. In terms of the best diagnosis in this case, you can see from the images that the patient has on the scout view what looks like a ring in the left upper quadrant, and it looks like artifact when you look at the axial imaging. And what you're looking at actually is the ring and the barium from a retained sponge. And this was a slight error where the sponge was left behind. One could argue this is foreign, bad, foreign matter in the colon. It's near the colon, but it's outside of the colon. It's not bowel obstruction. It's not carcinomatosis. Patient was doing great, but this was a retained sponge. A very important diagnosis and one that can be very elusive if only getting the uh, topogram. So it's very important with foreign bodies to really look at the images. Topograms can be very helpful. It's also a good point that high-density artifact, you might say, could this be contrast in bowel? When you look at it in a widened window, it doesn't look like something in bowel. It's really this the barium tape that's placed on uh, these foreign bodies or sponges that are used inside patients. So again, a very important diagnosis, and unfortunately for this patient, they needed to go back in and remove the sponge. So with that, I've given you 10 incredible cases. I hope you enjoyed the cases, and we'll see you next month. Bye-bye.